0: Hey everybody! Welcome to Shallow Dives. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Borat Two or Borat subsequent movie film delivery of prodigious prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Uh, joining me as always is my co-host Christian Torres. Christian, say hi. Hi. Uh, okay, well, Christian, uh, this is a uh, first Borat film in you know 14 years, and I mean he's made subsequent appearances in in other things. Like I think uh, the Ali G show reboot didn't he pop in and Who is America briefly? I could be wrong.
1: I think I was in the see- press the press for it. He did a yeah. he did a, an appearance on Kimmel or something as Borat.
0: Yeah. So, like, obviously, like the uh, the the character played by Sacha Baron Cohen, um, who you know, I I have nothing but respect for the guy. I I wanted to know, like, before we jump in here, like, what's your relationship with the first film uh, and that character? Because uh, like we were we were pretty uh, aware at the time. Like that was when we were in high school, around yeah, about, and uh, right like that that was a cultural sensation, and that's not an exaggeration. Um. So so, what was your relationship with the movie back then?
1: Yeah, the it's 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 really strange. Um. Because it is a cultural juggernaut that has subsequently, I think, been diminished by the fact that it's a cultural juggernaut, um, that it was parodied to death, and there's a million different, like, uh, whatever. Having said that, it's like, dude, I haven't seen the first movie in a minute, you know? I remember, mm. I've only watched it twice my entire life. Like, I saw it once in theaters, and I watched it when it came on uh, on demand. And this is the weird thing. I know I'm the outlier. I liked the movie, and I thought what it did was fucking genius, did I enjoy that movie? Like, n- no. <laughs> Much like, spoiler alert, I didn't enjoy this movie. Did I laugh at it? Yeah. Was I, like, awestruck by what it accomplished? Like, yeah, I really was. Um, and so that's the weird, like, dichotomy. It's, like, the respect that I have for Sasha Cohen as, like, a provocateur, as someone who commits, right? We always talk about commitment to comedy. I don't know people who commit really more than him. Maybe uh, Tim Heidecker, <laughs> you know, like, those dudes, yeah. like, kind of fringe. Yeah, eric andre yeah so it's like i i i i'm in all of him i also dread watching anything that he makes for the most part so that's how i feel about it i mean you know we'll we'll get into the specifics uh but you you've always been like way your capacity for cringe has always Mm -hmm. been much higher than mine too
0: well do do before i get into yeah like exactly what i thought of this and the first film like is that like a, a a problem for you is it just like the cringe factor that limits your enjoyment of it or is it just that the humor itself just isn't landing for you
1: no I mean I, I laugh a lot like that's a thing like I can yeah. I I think it's really it's really great if you can somehow block out everything else and just accept it as the farce that it is and I and I had that realization in the second movie more than ever where he mm-hmm. walks into the, the the Republican pack or whatever. Yeah. In Yeah. But like in a KKK hood, I was like, Oh, all right. Like (laughs) if you, if you just were able to block out everything else and just like watching this person's exploits, you'd be like, Jesus Christ. But it's the fact that like, I know that part of this is real. Also, I also know some of it's scripted. That was the other weird dichotomy is the first film felt way more unscripted. This, this was definitely more outlined. This had a purpose and a general direction it was trying to go. And I think it actually makes it a, a much better film as a result, but we'll talk about it here in a second man how do you want to tackle this this behemoth
0: oh well i mean i just did want to briefly say that like uh the first film was you know i mean i i saw it with my parents i think when i was like 16 years old like when it first came out like a little bit before it was like the sensation that it was and it stayed in theaters for for like ever um and uh i really enjoyed it then i came back to it a couple of years ago and i was just kind of like stunned by how courageous that fucking endeavor was um especially because in that first film nobody knew who the fuck Borat was so he was able to kind of like insert himself into any situation and people just sort of took it on blind faith that he was this clueless foreigner and it would kind of create these situations where they would open up to him and that first film he's talked about how he was trying to expose underlying racism um, in America. And he said the challenge with this film is that that racism is so much more overt now. So what do you do with that? Um, which is, I think why he kind of tended towards a more scripted format for this one. Um, which is interesting, but yeah, the, the this one, uh, both to its credit and its detriment, it's more scripted. Um, the detriment being that like, there is like a lot less man on the street, um, or just like him kind of interacting with real everyday people but on the upside is that like i just find the character of borat to be really fucking endearing like in spite of how cartoonish and like uh
1: reprehensible he is, is. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> like he's just a genuinely endearing character and they bring in in this film um a daughter character named tutar uh <laughs> or Sogdia uh, who's who's fucking great it's uh, Maria Bakalova and she kind of like steals the movie for me a little bit I don't know yeah
1: well she's such a focal point that it's not like it's a surprise that she does um, mm-hmm. but I think it says something to her performance and her comedic chops that like yeah next to this fucker who like who is so so courageous like you said it was so um, unflinching that yeah. uh, I thought I thought she just she was she was kind of the big rev- revelation of this, was like, oh wow. To the point where, like, yeah, maybe another 14 years, I don't know where the country's gonna be. But like I would genuinely like this proved that I could we, we can catch up with Borat occasionally, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I want to see what that guy's doing into middle age proper, you know, like as he as he nears the finish line? Um yeah, I th- I think that you're you said something very interesting. The first film's goal was to kind of like expose underlying racism. And I felt, I don't know if he said anything about this, but it felt to me like he was trying to to not just poke fun at people, which is what he does, but it seemed to be like a lot more about indifference. Yet at the same time, I was actually really surprised. And this is where I would like to know what's scripted and what's not scripted, you know? But like, I was surprised at how some people came off. Like even people that wouldn't, I wouldn't like the people that he quarantines with for the Mm -hmm. longest time. I, like, sort of like those dudes. Like, that's yeah. the problem.
0: Well, well, so, like, not to, like, peek behind the curtain too much, because it was something like this. Like, I kind of like there being a little bit of mystery, but I have yeah. watched an interview with him acknowledging the Giuliani thing, but he also talked about, like, the goal with this one was more to find the humanity in people that we would otherwise see as monstrous. So, like, right. these kind of QAnoners, like he said, like, in quarantining with those guys and they were real dudes, he kind of realized that, oh, they're just genuinely good dudes who got led astray by propaganda like just years and years of propaganda um which i thought was interesting and it's also interesting that then he ends the movie with kazakhstan being a main manufacturer of propaganda uh
1: you i thought that that was like a genius thing that was my one of my biggest takeaways was that and i think like humanity is the the big thing uh the other scene that really like actually really touched me it was really weird because i was not expecting Mm. to feel any emotions while watching this uh when he goes to the synagogue uh, and yeah. he talks to that Jewish lady who was a Holocaust survivor. I was like, holy shit. Like, I was not prepared for the level of and humanity that that woman we, showed we him. Should... Yeah, frame it. Can you put it into fucking perspective for the people?
0: He wants to die. So he goes into a synagogue dressed as like a Jew or what he thinks of as a Jew with this with a fucking Pinocchio nose. Pinocchio yeah. nose and bat wings and like, I think like antlers or something. I forget. And a
1: puppet that says media. Right. <laughs> and he doesn't take
0: off this costume at any point which is well great. that
1: was the thing that destroyed me which is that they, they like share a meal together they have these mm-hmm. heartwarming life affirmation moments and the, all the while wearing this fucking nose it right. destroyed me i did hear that he um uh, he did break character for her like for the holocaust oh, okay. survivor and i'm like good like because if, yeah because imagine like being that person i don't know that stuff really really fucking blew me away because i thought like between that and the the two you know uh, conservative bros or whatever i was like there's there's some good in this world mr frodo <laughs> like that's all i kept thinking <laughs> about i was like oh shit like maybe we can build bridges and i thought it was so weird that like the the sort of the cause and effect of the first borat was for people to take a look in themselves in the mirror and either course correct or led us to where we ended up you know with donald yeah. trump which was like right, fuck it like i said throw the jew down the well what of it you know what i'm saying And so Mm -hmm. it was like really amazing and, you know, like more optimistic and more humanistic than I thought Sasha Cohen was capable of considering the rest of his work. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think
0: he's always been a, a humanist. And, like, from what I understand behind the scenes, he's, like, very much a, a an activist and, like, is constantly, like, donating to charities and running charities and et cetera, like, very, very politically active dude. Um, but what you said is interesting. Like, is he, like, kind of contributing to, like, a South Park level of discourse that set the stage for, like, a sort of, like, indifference, indifferent memification of, like, real-world issues, like, oh, yeah, the Jews, et cetera. Um, it, it makes you wonder, it, it, satire always rides that line. This one I think would be much harder for like far right individuals to look at and go, yeah, like they could co-opt it like they could the first one. Right. Um, And the first one does have like, this one lacks like the stunning kind of showstopper from the first film. <laughs> where he uh sings to a like hostile crowd Kazakhstan is the great like you think he's gonna fucking die in that scene yeah this one there is no such scene there is a scene however where he poses as a country singer at a uh a like a anti-masker rally and like is singing just the most racist like he continues ramping up the racism and everybody's <laughs> just so into it um it
1: was really interesting because the first line obama what you gonna do gonna inject him with the wuhan flu and everyone's like yeah (laughs) but like by the fifth verse it's gotten pretty fucking perverse and people are still on that train which i was like oh okay
0: right what was it like journalists what you gonna do burn them up like the germans do or something like that yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. we took a left turn there (laughs) i know But like you said, like it it, in its scripted moments, it reaches like these emotional highs that I didn't expect and like it plays into the endearing nature of that character like the babysitter he hires for his 15 year old daughter, just like go get your baby and he's like, okay, and like he leaves the ball and I have time. And then he runs away.
1: (laughs) I like I love that woman. I clearly scripted though, right? Like that's my problem is that that one but but doesn't doesn't matter. I I thought that that was actually really great. the beginning, I got to tell you, mm. you texted me last night and you were like, you the first five minutes of this movie, though. And I'm like, well, that's good <laughs> to hear. Uh, I wanted to text you. I, it did, actually. <laughs> I was like, in the first five minutes, the same way. And it was mm-hmm. just like, okay, my mind is broken. <laughs> I'm broken <laughs> now. And it was just the fucking, uh, what's his name? Monkey Johnny or Johnny Johnny yeah. the Monkey or something. <laughs>
0: Well, because it's, like, playing this, like, loud Middle Eastern jazz music or whatever. And, like, him just at full volume going, my name is Borat. And he's just, like, talking about the most surreal, horrible things.
1: Well, he's in the fucking gulag. And then they, they, they torture him with one of those, like, hammer uh, things that you see at the county fairs to, like, hit him in the right. balls repeatedly. And you're like, wow, all right. I, all the Kazakhstan stuff, which I actually left a bad taste in my mouth in the first one. I remember that hmm. when I rewatched it. It felt, like, a little exploitative. You know what I'm saying? But whatever. I don't know if that's the case. It's just how it felt to me. That was some of my favorite stuff uh, in this movie in terms of just laughs, in terms of just yeah. getting yucks. But I also think that the intention here is different. I mean, we've said that over and over again. This wasn't supposed to just be funny. It wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to just hold up a mirror to society, and that's what it's going to do. But it genuinely was trying to tell a story. And like, you know, we we I talk about this all the time, but like stories we tell over and over again through the ages and epochs and shit like that. And it's like, Well, yeah, like we have this thing about father and son, you know, father, daughter, all of those stories. And they were able to take this boy and a dog story, something we've seen a billion times, and yet wrap it in the perverse nature of Borat and still somehow do something sentimental. I was like really blown away by that. So this is what I'm talking about. I know when I prefaced this, I was like, I didn't enjoy this movie, but I did. It's just that the cringe to get there, like how long things went on, which is also the reason I liked it. Uh, Mm -hmm. You said-
0: there Go is ahead. some cringe, not, not to interrupt you. What were you going to say?
1: I was going to say, you mentioned the haircut scene earlier. Yeah. Which is hysterical, but it scratches that same itch as David Lynn showing a guy sweep up the bar for four minutes. You know what I'm saying? Or it's just like every, first of all, the fucking shears that he's using are rusted. Mm-hmm. Like they haven't right. made those shears in a hundred years. Like,
0: well, I, I forget what's happening. It's like doing this cross-cutting, like dramatic montage is how it's framed, where it's like he's trying to earn enough money to get his daughter Classic plastic surgery. surgery so he can sell her to Rudy <laughs> Giuliani. Um, and he's like cutting this guy's hair and he'll like do one cut, show the man like, yes. And the guy's like, mm-hmm. And like, it just keeps going for like five fucking minutes. And like, at no point
1: is the guy upset at all. It's just endearing. Which, which, but that's the, that was a really interesting takeaway because hmm. like, are we racist as a country? Oh, most definitely. It's baked into the constitution, don't you know? And at the same time though, even though we have this history of like xenophobic rhetoric and and we're shitty historically to every immigrant population that's ever come over, like the individual, right? these people put on a one-on-one basis are generally never rude like they don't Mm -hmm. break they're very forgiving very malleable to to you know to like allow for what they perceive as just someone not knowing something and they don't want to admonish them for not knowing they want to like even if it's bullshit and and warped in their own they want to educate them they want to educate them them. thank you and i thought that was like really pretty like that came across in this movie a little bit more than the first one i guess because Mm -hmm. those people were particularly reprehensible this, even though it was more scripted, some of the interactions with the people felt more real. And I mm-hmm. thought that that was so, so interesting. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, can we talk about this Giuliani thing? I don't want to go all over the place, but I feel like we Yeah, need.
0: well, I, I kind of wanted to, like, lead into that by saying that, like, I think that the endearing quality, like, they do such a good job of sort of setting up, even if it's tropey as hell, like, setting up this father-daughter dynamic. And making you believe it and making you kind of believe in the emotional journey that Borat has Mm -hmm. taken with his daughter going from not even knowing she existed to like actually kind of loving her and like respecting her or whatever leads to this Rudy Giuliani scene that kind of adds an actual dramatic urgency to it. Where it's like you feel gross not just watching Rudy Giuliani like stuff his hand down his pants but for her and you see like the panic in him. There's like actual dramatic
1: life. conflict and consequences, yeah. which you're like, where did this come from? And yet, yeah, mm-hmm. a very real event or staged or whatever, yeah, all the interactions 100% real, right? The, yeah. the Giuliani stuff. Even if that is, is, is wrapped up in artifice, the emotions and the stakes are not. Like him mm-hmm. running in New York to the building, I'm like, why, why is my heart pounding right now? Like, <laughs> right. it was such a weird experience. And like, I remember right before I went in, people were like, It's urgent enough for Oscar consideration. I'm like, oh, go fucking, go fuck yourself. Like, no way. (laughs) But to be honest, like, in a weird that's been mired with not many movies coming out and blah, 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 like, that that moment kind of sold me on it. I was like, yeah, maybe. Like, that's pretty fucking powerful stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I have, like, very little negative to say about it. I won't say that it's an amazing or perfect film, but I think it reaches some highs that I didn't expect. Um, And like, there are a lot of jokes or humor in it that don't land for me. And I think we talked about that before. Mm -hmm. Um, But the ones that do land hard enough that it's just like, I I came away from it with nothing but positive associations for whatever cringe there is. Like, there's nobody in the film that like outright admonishes these characters for how they behave, even at that kind of abortion
1: clinic oh no the ball yeah Yeah, those two are the the art like those are two scenes where i'm like okay i'm gonna sink to the bottom of my seat i I had to pause the ball scene i was just like "Ah." thank you okay i thought you were a fucking alien who was like unaffected by this shit i'm just like this is the hardest shit to watch this is like when franco cut his arm off in that 127 hours (laughs) like, but without the fucking sexiness of the situation it's the anti-sexy jesus it was hard to watch and yet that's kind of the point like why do we go to the movies? We go to the movies, we want to laugh, we want to cry, we want to be transported to another place. We want to feel like we're seeing something that either reflects our world or takes us to another one. Uh, and in the same movie, you've got something that made you feel as, like, holy shit, disgusted and cringe as the abortion clinic scene or the, the cotillion. Um, yeah. And at the same time, the, the fucking synagogue scene and, and him racing towards his daughter, I was just like, holy shit, I wasn't ready for yeah. that kind of depth for a
0: Borat film, dude. Right. Or just like that they turned like his daughter comically discovering masturbation into like a triumphant moment.
1: Yeah. No, and don't be wrong, that was also a little cringy, but not for the same reasons. Like I felt yeah. I was I felt bad for the Christian woman, like the woman who's like, It's because of a decline in Christianity or whatever. <laughs> but at the same time, like those women, like, yeah, they were like they weren't they weren't they like, didn't throw
0: her out. They're like, Oh, yes! let's call her an Uber.
1: That yeah. was so sweet, and even some of the women were like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Fucking," mm-hmm. it. and that's something we take for granted all the time. Yes, women are not treated the same as men in this country, right? But if we want to talk about the majority of the rest of the world, like, yeah, it's something we we don't think about all the time. We're like, there is shame associated to female sexuality, the idea of being submissive, which they even do that with the uh, like the that woman who's just like a, a woman can't be strong she needs right. to be
0: submissive this sh- sugar baby or whatever
1: i thought that was like such that's the thing about when you start thinking about it for real like considering some of this is improv and yeah even the scripted things are still like i don't want i don't think they're 100 scripted a lot of it you know what i'm saying yeah it's like they they were able to set up and pay off so many things not just for yucks not just for the joke but for the Mm -hmm. character moment. So I'm like you, I'm not going to call it a perfect film, but I'll tell you, I I think I did enjoy this more than the first one. I need to go back and rewatch the first one. Um, Well, the first one
0: has like maybe my favorite comedy scene in anything. It's up there. Maybe not my favorite, but just when they're, and it's totally scripted, but it's when him and his handler, his producer. (laughs)
1: No.
0: Oh, thank God. Okay. Uh, when they're when they're staying at a, at a Jewish bed and breakfast and they don't know that they're Jews and then they find out they're Jews and like two cockroaches come under the door they think it's the Jews who have transformed into cockroaches they just start right. throwing money crawl out the window
1: yeah and that's amazing, amazing. I, I, this is completely unrelated let me get back to that scene but um, I really love in the first movie it's like in the it's in the first five minutes he gets there and he's driving the ice cream truck and he just he has a a, a left turn signal on and then he just turns right I don't know why that cracks me up so much that's like one of my favorite bits of that movie. Um, But no, I think that's a very interesting thing, which is to say that so much of the first film kind of was mired in this controversy for its anti perceived anti-Semitism, which is funny. I mean, Cohen's Jewish, uh, you know. And I'm not saying that gives him the right to say whatever he wants, but I think it gives him a little bit more of a right to to broach that topic. Um, I thought it was very interesting that they were able to, once again, kind of lean in on that. Like, there's that fucking scene with the plastic surgeon where he's just like, no, and he fucking is like, dude, pointing out as long as his arm is. And the doctor says nothing of it and blah, blah, blah. But, um, as improbable as it may seem, it's like Borat grew as a character from one to two didn't grow. Like he's in the beginning of the film, he's the same Borat as he is in the end of the first film. Mm-hmm. Uh but throughout the course of this film like he grows as a character which I thought was weird. Also I just want to say that it's hilarious that the confirmation of the Holocaust is a victory for Borat. <laughs> <laughs> that was hysterical. And I just love, and I know people are going to get mad and they're like, oh, parodying anti-Semitism leaves the door open for anti-Semitism. I don't necessarily believe that. I thought it was yeah. done really well. and that People are me.
0: mad about a lot of things right now, but you know what? Like, yeah, honestly, if you have an Amazon Prime account, check it out. It's an hour and a half of your time. I would pretty much fully recommend it uh, to anyone who enjoyed the first one or is just looking for, you know, a good little bit of satire, a little bit of heartwarming satire.
1: Before we wrap up, I do want to circle back to the Giuliani of it all, if you don't oh, mind. Oh,
0: sure. Uh, yeah, we, we didn't spend much time on that.
1: Well, it, it's, it's I'm just curious because here's the thing. I totally, Giuliani's like, oh, it was a classic Hollywood hit job, which uh, mm-hmm. should be a spec script, by the way. Hollywood hit job sounds <laughs> like an interesting film. Anyway, um, and I believe that to a very small extent. I believe yeah. that, like, yeah, they put him in a room. He didn't know he was interviewing. Of course, that is a setup, Sure. But the mm-hmm. constant touching of an underage, even if well, she's not underage, but perceived to be underage, like their interviews, Giuliani's not touching other women, I hope, other women's like legs the entire time. He's not retiring right. to the master bedroom. He's not letting these journalists touch him to get the lav mic out. That's not how right. lav mics work. So like, if anything- who, I don't, who, not,
0: t- who has to lay down on a bed to tuck in their shirt? I'm sorry.
1: R- Rudolph Giuliani, all right? And, like, the, and there the is man. like a
0: prolonged shot where he's just staring at her ass too. I don't know if you remember that. yeah.
1: And that's my point. Like what it does for me, it's like, number one, I'm not saying I'm not going to go as far as to call him a pedophile, but it does show a profound lack of judgment. Like Mm -hmm. that you would even, like you should have known before then that there were some issues. Uh, And he, he had no problem. He had no problem doing that. And I thought it was very weird, very uncomfortable, showed a tremendous lack of judgment. And I think that's the bigger takeaway, not the gotcha journalism thing. The fact that when put in that situation, that's still how he acted. It's not an right. act of editing. That's who Rudy Giuliani is.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Because he, he should not need uh, any assistance taking off a microphone or <laughs> need to lay down on, on a bed to tuck in his shirt or any of what he did in the How movie. How much did she um, get
1: paid to genuinely seem interested in Rudy Giuliani? Because she uh, killed it. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Uh, and, and again, like, I do want to really say that, like, she she really did kind of steal the show a bit. Like, what a fearless fucking performance. And and she's like a Bulgarian actress. I don't think she's really been in much aside from this, maybe other Bulgarian things, but oh, wow. good for her. I hope it's a, a breakout for her.
1: Yeah. Uh, on a numeric scale, I know we hate to do these things, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking, honestly, I want to be a little generous. I think it's like a really solid, solid eight. I think it's like, yeah as best-case scenarios you could get for an iconic film that's had more than a decade since its last outing. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those almost never work. This worked uh, exceptionally well.
0: Yeah, no, I'd give it a solid eight as
1: well. I think I'm right there with you. Well, that's not much for con. I wanted you to be like one star, and this is why. (laughs) Uh, but no, that's great, man. I'm really glad, and I and I feel like we didn't, you know, we didn't spoil too much. We talked about the whole plot, but it's the, you, you can't spoil Borat. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, it's but.
0: it's about the experience of watching it or whatever. So so and and we didn't even spoil like some of the biggest twists and turns in the film's plot. Oh, God, so the
1: third act, yeah, yeah, that third Ooh, act. Yeah, there's
0: some third act uh, <laughs> plot twists straight uh, up. Um, but yeah, everybody, thank you for joining us for this, uh, you know, episode of Shallow Dives. We're gonna try to do this a little bit more frequently. Um, it's Spooptober, so who knows what can happen. Uh, but uh (laughs) tune in next time for whatever else we do
1: (laughs) because as you know in october like possibility is endless okay anything (laughs) could happen in october (laughs) all right uh thank you max and we'll be back uh very soon yep